Shalom Aleichem, on behalf of Teach 613, <coughs> we welcome you to take 10 for Talmud. Kiddushin Chavtes, Kiddushin 29a, pagination is 57. We're starting from the Mishnah, about 15 lines from the top of the page. The topic is one that is often learnt independently of the rest of the Masechta, a famous selection which deals with mitzvahs, starting off with kol mitzvahs habein al ha'av, the mitzvahs that pertain to a child that are the responsibility of the father. Anashim chayavim v'nashim peturos. The father is obligated, the mother is not directly obligated. V'chol mitzvahs ha'av al and all mitzvahs, that pertain to the father, that are the responsibility of the child, both boys and girls, men and women, are going to have that responsibility towards their parents. So again, let's focus. <clears throat> you have a mitzvah like the Gemara will explain, an example of Mila, to do circumcision on the child. So that, in a direct sense, is going to be the responsibility of the father, and it is never placed in a direct sense as the responsibility of the mother. We'll see in a moment the sources for that in the Gemara. But, for example, if it's a regular, stable family, husband-wife, so the father has the responsibility to do Mila on the child, he's going to be the one who's going to hire the Moel, and everything's fine. But what happens if it's not a stable situation? Let's say, for example, the father passed away before the birth. So the child certainly needs to be circumcised. Whose responsibility is it really? And what emerges here is that as much as the mother's in charge of the child, and as much as you can't come in and just do a circumcision on the child without the mother's consent, and as much as the mother typically would take care of it because it's her child, but let's say you have a situation where the mother can't afford to pay for the moel, and the question is, in the community, how is this going to be handled? It would be important to realize that the Gemara's position on this is that it becomes, as we will see, the responsibility of the Bezdin, the responsibility of the community. And therefore, even beyond tzedakah, charity, or whatever, just a straightforward obligation, the tab for the Moel has to be picked up by the community. That's whose obligation it is if the father is already passed on. The second part of the Mishnah that we quoted here is that as far as Kibbut Avraim goes, respecting one's parents, there's no difference between a son and a daughter. There's no difference male-female that responsibility exists. It is developed as a theme later on that a woman, once she's married, would also have responsibilities to her husband. Uh, 
and to the family. And therefore, she may in certain ways be caught in a restricted situation where she cannot uh, freely choose to take action to honor her parents. Sometimes these balancing acts do come into play more often than not. Thank God. It's not a challenge. It's a challenge to exert yourself, but it's not a challenge that uh, she's not allowed to do it because her husband won't let. On the contrary, usually the in-laws are respected, and we see cases where the in-laws often move in with the children if necessary, or the daughter goes and constantly cooks and visits on behalf of her parents, and that's really a fulfillment of the Mishnah's position that there is no difference between a son or a daughter in terms of Kibbut Ava'im. Let's drop down to about halfway down the page in the Gemara in the middle of a line where the Gemara develops specific responsibilities that a father has for his child. Tinyana Lahadutanarabanan, this is connected to that which we learnt, Ha'av Chayev Bivno, a father is responsible regarding his son, Lamolo, to do the circumcision, Viliftoso, and to redeem him if he's a firstborn from the mother, Ulalamdo Torah, and to teach him Torah, Ulahasio Isha, to marry him off, Ulalamdo Umnus, and to teach him a trade, a way to make a living. And some say even to teach him how to swim is an obligation placed on the father. And in essence, the understanding of this is that basic safety training is required of the parents. Uh, basic concepts. Uh, it starts off perhaps with how to cross a street, but in their time... It was how to swim, because that was considered a significant endangerment if a person wouldn't know what to do. In our time, perhaps, we would say how to evacuate a home in the case of a fire, how to call 911 if necessary, how to use a fire extinguisher. There's certain things that a child should be trained in. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer Rabbi Yehuda says, Kol malamdo if a person doesn't teach his child a trade, it's like he taught him how to be a thief. And the Gemara challenges and says, He taught him to be a thief. It's as if he taught him to be a thief, because that's unfortunately the risk. If a person doesn't know how to make an honest living, the risk is, I don't know, Theft, necessarily, in a direct uh, listus, is a term used like highway robbery, but to bend the truth in a way that's simply not making an honest living if the parents didn't make that effort to set the child up with a profession, then it is also considered a significant risk factor. The Gemara, as I mentioned, continues with the distinction between a father and a mother 
regarding the circumcision of the son. In most cases, as we mentioned, it makes no difference. The mother will take care of it. But in a specific case where Shaila is asked, whose responsibility is it really, this Gemara could come into play. Lamolo, the father has a responsibility to circumcise the son, or naturally to hire an expert to do so. Minolan, how do you know? Avraham took care of the mitzvah for Yitzchak. And if the father didn't do it, then Bezdin has the responsibility. A communal type responsibility to make sure that every male is circumcised. And if Bezdin didn't take care of it, so then this child would have the responsibility when he go, grows older to take care of it for himself. An uncircumcised male that he didn't take care of the Mila. It's a serious offense. The responsibility ultimately will rest on the person himself. Getting a drop more advanced over here, the Gemara says, How do you know that the woman is not obligated? As the Pasuk says, As Hashem commanded him, And we infer that it means that Hashem commanded him, the father, and not the mother. And that was the progression of responsibility Father, Bezdin, the Jewish court, and then the person himself. Nowhere does the woman end up in the list for this responsibility. It is certainly a de facto type of responsibility on the mother, but it's not on a true, logical, halachic level. It's not her responsibility. Taisvis asks an interesting question. We're wondering if the woman has a responsibility, and we infer Oso Velo Osa him and not her. Asks Taisvis, the Imtomar, Lomolikra, why do you need a Pasuk? Tepukle de Mitzvasase Shahazman Gramahu. It's a mitzvasase, a positive commandment, that's time oriented because the child has to be receiving this act of milah on the eighth day and not before. So the eighth day sounds like a zman grama, a time-oriented mitzvah, which is a mitzvah saseh, a positive command, v'noshem peturos, and there's a rule, we have to know when to apply this rule, but women are absolved of positive command that's time-oriented, such as tzitzis, which is a mitzvah during the day and not at night, or at least not in night garments, and tefillin, which is a mitzvah during the week and not on Shabbos or Yom Tif. So women are absolved of such mitzvahs. Why would you need a pasuk? Since from the eighth day on, there is no interruption. 
Lavzman Garamahu, it's not considered Azman Garama. From the eighth day on, it does not get interrupted. The Mefarshim wonder, Rav Shurkin among them, but it is Azman Garama because until the eighth day, it's absolved. How did Taisvis answer the question? And there are different ways to look at this, but the way Rav Shurkin answers as a popular answer is that until the eighth day, it was not considered an orla. It's not just that it's the wrong time. For example, if you didn't do the meal on the eighth day and you do it on the ninth day, it was not the right day, but it still works. Rav Shurkin says it's not considered an orla. It's not considered the part of the body that's supposed to be removed until the eighth day. And that's what Taisvis means, he says, that it is not Zman Grama, it's not a time-oriented, it simply wasn't an Orla. This perspective comes into play in fascinating ways. For example, a question that was asked is, behind the Iron Curtain, during the days of the Soviet Union, with religion being prohibited, if a Moel was leaving town, and it turned out to be the seventh day from a child's birth, and the parents come to him and say, please do the meal of, of our child, tomorrow you won't be here. You won't be here on the eighth day. Does it make any sense for him to do the mila on the seventh day? Keep in mind that in general hospital practice in the United States, they were doing circumcision on the third day, and observant families had to specifically request that the circumcision should not be done by the doctor in the hospital on the third day. If we understand that it's not even an orla yet, then there's no reason, it's not proper, to go ahead and do the mila early. If, however, one understood it perhaps differently, there's an interesting wording of the Rama of Yatsa, we would have to truly define when the mitzvah comes into play. Again, Taisvi's perspective is that from the eighth day and on, it continues as a regular mitzvah, and therefore to absolve the woman, a specific drasha was required. Yeshe thank you for joining.